sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. If your child is struggling in school, then IXL is right for your family. IXL is an online learning program for kids that covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. Backed by research, kids using IXL are scoring higher on tests. It's no wonder it's used in 95% of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Plus, a month of IXL costs less than an hour of tutoring. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com 20. Visit IXL.com 20 to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show, live on Sirius XM Channel 111 every weekday at noon East. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Kelly. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show. Have we got two great guests for you to discuss some of the big stories impacting our country and the world. In just a little bit, I'll be joined by Buck Sexton. We've got a deep dive into a story many are whispering about, the real and obvious mental decline of President Joe Biden. We've put something together for you on that. But we begin with one of my favorites, um, what is happening in our society and the problems plaguing it. And there's a lot that could go under that banner. Joining me now, Dennis Prager, host of The Dennis Prager Show and co-founder of Prager U. Are you struggling to lower your bad LDL cholesterol, even though you may be taking a statin, swapping steaks for salads, and exercising while listening to this podcast? Ask your doctor if Repatha Evolocumab is right for you. With Repatha, you can dramatically reduce bad cholesterol and the risk of another heart attack while enjoying life too, because you're human. And with convenient self-administration, you can take Repatha in the comfort of your own home. Do not take Repatha if you're allergic to it. Repatha can cause serious allergic reactions. Signs include trouble breathing or swallowing, or swelling of the face. Most common side effects include runny nose, sore throat, common cold symptoms, flu or flu-like symptoms, back pain, high blood sugar and redness, pain, or bruising at the injection site. Visit Repatha.com or call 1-844-REPATHA. Talk to your doctor today about Repatha. If your child is struggling in school, then IXL is right for your family. IXL is an online learning program for kids that covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. Backed by research, kids using IXL are scoring higher on tests. It's no wonder it's used in 95% of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Plus, a month of IXL costs less than an hour of tutoring. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com 20. Visit IXL.com 20 to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Dennis, welcome back to the show. Always good. Thank you. So good to see you. All right. So I'm going to start a little bit out of left field, but nobody's going to be talking about it. Marilyn Mosby, the former Baltimore prosecutor who was after those six cops for what she said was the murder of Freddie Gray back in, what was it, 14, 15, um, is going to prison. She's going to prison herself. And this is part of a pattern that we're seeing with either soft on crime DAs funded by George Soros who don't want to prosecute crime, but you really just get elevated because they're going to advance his lawless agenda. And they all tend to check certain identity boxes and others like members of the squad 
who are proving to have disgraced themselves. So Marilyn Mosby, just as a refresher, when the country was burning, it was Ferguson and then Freddie Gray in Baltimore and they had riots and the cops were getting bottles thrown at them and beaten up without the proper gear. She went out there and a prosecutor has an ethical obligation not to inflame the mob, not to. And this is what she said back in the back in the day. Watch to the youth of this city. I will seek justice on your behalf. This is a moment. This is your moment. And as young people, our time is now. Okay. This is our moment. This is this is your moment. Okay. So after those cops, they were either hung juries or they got acquitted. She would not let up on them. She just kept coming. Justice is always worth the price paid for its pursuit. You see, in spite of the fact that the verdicts didn't go in our favor, there have been many gains throughout this journey to ensure that what happened to Freddie Gray never happens to another person. Never again should an officer ignore or neglect a prisoner's request for medical attention. Never again should an officer exhibit a blatant or reckless disregard for human life. Long story short, Dennis, turns out she did a legal sleight of hand on some COVID mortgage funds. And she has now been convicted of one count of mortgage fraud for lying on financial documents. She tried to game the system to get a mortgage. And she had already been convicted on two counts of perjury in a separate criminal trial that took place in November. She's not yet been sentenced, but she stood there in court sobbing as she as she was convicted by this jury. She now technically faces decades in prison. She could serve anywhere up to 40 years in prison. That's highly unlikely. But this person's likely going to jail. This is, we had a report last week that Corey Bush of the squad is under investigation for funny business respect with respect to her husband, allegedly paying him, this is what we think, um, more than was allowed as her so-called security guard. Fannie Willis down in Georgia is now under ethical review by at least three different bodies, by my count, uh, for allegedly paying her lover more than the other co-prosecutors and being dishonest about it. Okay, we could keep going. But it seems to me, Dennis, there's somewhat of a reckoning going on right now with some of these people being put in these positions who had no business being there. And the fact that they're going down based on ethical violations is seems particularly apt because while in these positions of power, it's not it doesn't seem to me that ethics has been at the top of their concerns when they've used the power as a U.S. congresswoman, as a D.A. in Georgia, as a D.A. in Maryland. I could keep going uh, in the way that the founders envisioned. That's my wind up. What do you make of it? So I have a darker view of this than you do in, in one way and a lighter view in another. The, the issue to me is the, the personal integrity of public leaders has never been a preoccupation of mine. When you have the power of a public official, how you use that power is infinitely more of concern to me than how you lead your own personal ethical life. Uh, I, I remember in the 1990s, I wrote a, I wrote a column, Adultery and Politicians. And I said, you know, I'm against adultery. Uh, personally, I'm a religious man. 
But I don't really give a damn if a politician has been faithful to his wife. Uh, I, I, it's between him and his wife and between him and his family and between him and his God. Uh, all I care is how he affects the 300 million Americans at the time I wrote it was more like 250 million Americans and the world. That's why I have no interest in, in the, the, the statements made about Donald, Donald Trump and his alleged character defects. All I know is that uh, for four years, the United States prospered on earth and, in, and domestically uh, during uh, his governance. Jimmy Carter was a born-again Christian, uh, was faithful to his wife, and he was a horrible president, and he damaged the world, and he made up the lie that Israel is an apartheid state. So I, I just have to tell you, the personal ethical shortcomings, or, or for that matter, even uh, excellences of public officials is of secondary interest to me. Where's the, is that the happy part or the sad part? <laughs> <laughs> Good one. That was, that, that was very astute of you. Uh, both. Uh, because, it, listen, uh, uh, my field of study was Soviet history. I, I studied Russian. I was the Russian Institute at Columbia. So I've, I've studied the left all of my life. Lenin was, was apparently quite honest to the best of my recollection. And, uh, uh, it, and he was a butcher. He, he was the man who made Stalin possible. Uh, the, the, it, life is complex. And again, if you have power, I care how you wield your power uh, much more than I care about how you lead your life. Uh, as I, whenever I go to Minnesota, which is frequent, uh, I frequently, I, uh, uh, I note that Minnesota, there's a saying in Minnesota called Minnesota nice, which is actually accurate. There are so many nice people in Minnesota. The damage that Minnesotans do with the horrible human beings they, they elect uh, proves how often nice people do terrible things. Uh, so that's uh, it's one of the sad realizations of life. So I don't agree with your take on, on these prosecutors and the troubles that they're getting in, because I don't see these as just, this isn't like just an affair. Fannie Willis I, I, very few people are coming after her because she allegedly committed adultery with this guy. That's not the thing. The thing is, many of us believe she's pursuing an unethical prosecution, weaponizing the law to stop a presidential candidate from oh, she is. winning she is. a, a presidential I, race. Correct. And this yes. this is unethical. And so it, to right. me, it, it's just evidence of a pattern when you then find out, oh, she's also allegedly stooping the guy and paying him more than she's paying the other guys. And then he's flying her to Napa and then down to Jamaica and buying her, you know, cruise tickets. All of it fits a pattern. And right. she falls below the ethical standards required of DAs, which is to avoid even the uh, appearance of impropriety. Same with this Marilyn Mosby. I lived it. I watched her go out and fan the flame. She didn't give two dams what happened to the cops in Baltimore as they were under fire from those mobs down there who had been fed lies about what happened to Freddie Gray. She never let up on those cops, even after juries acquitted them and said that they're not to blame for this. And now we find out she's not an ethical person. Uh, two different juries have said so. Multiple felony convictions now. She's the one who's going to wind up in jail. Meanwhile, where do the cops go to get their reputations back? We're seeing some just desserts meet it out. And I'm ready to applaud the karma of it all. Oh, I applaud the karma. I'm with you on that. All I'm saying is 
that if if these people, if leftists were personally honorable, the damage they have done to society is the same. And therefore, that's what preoccupies me about the left. Everything they touch, they ruin. Uh, whether they are personally honorable or not is not high on my interest level. That's all I'm saying. Mm. I, I mm. all I want, I want to crush. There is a race in this country. If the left wins, America dies. If America wins, the left dies. That's that's to me the bottom line, and frankly, the only line. Is it still winnable? Yeah, it is still winnable. Believe it or not, if if they allow uh, Trump to win, if there is no new uh, disease, if there is uh, no cyber attack. Uh, if uh, they don't make up a new rule about uh, extending election day four months instead of four weeks. Uh, I mean, the, the the attempt to undo honorable elections is very powerful on the left. But but if they enable uh, the uh, a Republican to win, and by the way, they preoccupy themselves with Trump, but they hated DeSantis. And if DeSantis were nominated, they would have spoken about him as a fascist and dictator, as they already do about him as governor of Florida. So this this preoccupation with Trump is phony. They, they hate any conservative, and they have a right to, because we are the only thing stopping them from ruining the country. What happens if Trump loses? That's a real question. I mean, what what actually yeah. will happen if if Joe Biden, Joe Biden, right. not not Michelle Obama swooping in, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris win another term? Well, again, it, it, it's it, to me once again, it is irrelevant what Democrat it is. Let's say it's Adam Schiff. Is Adam Schiff, who, by the way, I think is is literally a pathological liar. I don't think I've ever called a public official in forty years of broadcasting a pathological liar. That man does not know the difference between truth and and a lie which is very frightening. People who know they're lying, there is hope for them. People who don't, there's no hope for them. Adam Schiff is, I believe, a bad human being. But it, it doesn't, so it doesn't matter. Name me a Democrat, a, a prominent Democrat, who would not allow the left to ruin the country, who would not be in favor of, of, uh, of having uh, medical schools and, and the entire psychological and psychiatric apparatuses uh, ruin children's lives if they save their 10. You know what? Parents just lost their, I think, 10-year-old daughter who said she was a boy or boy said she was a girl. I don't remember which it is. They they literally took the child away from the parents in Montana. Yeah. That's Montana. We have the parents on the show. We have the parents on the show. Oh, well, bless you. Good. Well, so tell me a Democrat who was opposed to that. Name me one prominent senator or, or representative or member of the cabinet who, so that's why it is irrelevant to me whether it's Kamala Harris or Joe Biden, it, it is it is of no consequence. If they win, uh, it, it, the, the American future is truly in doubt for the first time in, since the Civil War. I mean, I will, I'll give you one sign of hope since we're exchanging glimmers. Um, there were those, it was a handful of lawmakers in New Hampshire that crossed party lines, the Democrats, some Republicans went the other way, but the Republicans made up the majority of those voting in favor of this bill. And it, the difference was made by the Dems who crossed the aisle to vote with them to ban the medicalization of kids claiming that they're gender confused, to ban these surgical this, procedures. Well, on if them. you want a bright possibility, the, uh, I'll tell you what I do, which I recommend to uh, everybody on, on our side, uh, 
I read the New York Times. It's it's a an act of martyrdom on my part on behalf of my 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 <laughs> listeners and readers. Martyr. Anyway, I read it. I read it every day, and I what I make sure to read are comments because the only people who can comment on a New York Times piece are New York Times subscribers. That's how I really know how liberals and the left, they're not the same, how liberals and the left think. So they had, to my great surprise and pleasure, they had a gigantic article about uh, about detransitioning uh, mm -hmm. young people, people who regret that, uh, like this girl who, who had her breasts removed when she was 17 or 18 years of age by some despicable uh, uh, surgeons and psychologists and psychiatrists and children's hospitals. That's another story. I looked at the comments. There were, I think, 3,000 comments. I always check off readers' picks. So I want to know what are the most popular comments on a given article. I couldn't even find one that differed with the article. Every single popular comment on in the New York Times among its readers was, this is disgusting what is happening to kids. They, this, if there is an Achilles heel, for the left, it may in fact be uh, the uh, the uh, the mutilation of children in the name of the lie that you can become a member of the other sex. That mm -hmm. they may that may have been the line, as you point out in New Hampshire, uh, a, a bridge too far. That's the thing is I just think. It's bring. It is definitely bringing. This is an issue. The gender thing, bringing left and right together, and it starts there with the medicalization of children who probably, in most cases, have no gender dysphoria, no gender confusion whatsoever. They're just confused about life, and they're depressed, or they're on the autism spectrum, and they're they're, they're not really gender confused. Um, but beyond that, the you know men and women sports is. <laughs> There's a story every day about that, that people can see with their eyes the fundamental unfairness of it. Men and women's spaces, you know, coming into our locker rooms, our bathrooms, the guy up in Canada, you know, completely naked and intact male with 12 year olds in the locker room. It's not just Canada. Happened in Michigan in a locker room there with schools. It's ha I mean, a girl was, of course, sexually assaulted down in Virginia by a guy in a skirt. There's a there's plenty of cases that we could document. But I do think that's separate and apart from the issue of whether you believe a man can become a woman. I don't. But it's separate and apart from that issue. These fundamental issues of fairness tend to be ones that we're starting to meet each other on. I don't I can't think of another area in which we're doing that, Dennis. Not that's right. You know, you know, some I, of the other would be, gospel on the left is collapsing because you're, it's you're collapsing, right. but that's not because right. we're meeting each other. And not only that, not that not one of those commenters in the New York Times is going to stop voting Democrat because of this. Yeah. See, the, the I, I say over and over, the American tragedy is the liberal. The left vote their values. Conservatives vote their values. Liberals do not. Liberals vote left wing when their values are so much more similar to conservatives. And if, if liberals voted their values, there would be no possibility of Democrats winning elections. That's mm. the tragedy of America. Liberals do not vote according to liberal values. You're right. Do they, we're do seeing they that really, more and more. Do they, do they really support two national anthems at the Super Bowl? Why isn't that as, uh, as dispositive an issue as, as uh, the uh, mutilation of children? 
We have two national anthems for which we stand at a Super Bowl. Since when? Mm-hmm. What is the, what is the yeah. moral defense of that? Yeah, no, that's been happening, of course, since George Floyd lift every voice and saying the so-called black national anthem gets pay, gets played right after the real national anthem. And it's like the, the song is about national unity and e pluribus unum and nothing else like it's the, the song says it all. There's no need for an addendum. Right. Like That's the very nature of it. Well, we're we're one nation again. Uh, I I have coined the term many years ago called American Trinity. Christianity has a trinity, so does America, and it's on every coin. I didn't make it up; I just made up the term. E pluribus unum, in God we trust, liberty. And the left is uh, 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 opposed to all three. They they have no interest in in God we trust. They, they want a purely secular uh, education system, secular society. Not just secular government. We're all for secular government, but they want the society to be essentially godless and Bibleless. E pluribus unum. Uh, they're for black dorms, black graduations, uh, blacks lining up in different lines in elementary schools, and they are for a black national anthem at the Super Bowl. And uh, liberty. There is no example in the history of the left, from Vladimir Lenin to uh, to Bernie Sanders. Of of having the left allow dissent, that liberty is is uh, the opposite. Look, the French Revolution was the leftist revolution, and the American Revolution was the conservative revolution. And the French Revolution uh, immediately slaughtered tens of thousands of, of Catholic priests. It was one of the first things that it did, and of course, it ended liberty. That's that's the paradigm of the left. The paradigm of the right is the American Revolution. I think you may have called attention to this. I saw it on X the other day, and I lived it myself when I lived in Chicago on September 11th. You know, the outpouring of patriotism when it was, it was not just okay to be unabashedly pro-America. It was a staple. It was still a staple. It was the expected norm. And these freaks who hate the country were just that, freaks. But uh, it was Sammy Sosa after September yeah, I brought, 11th. Yeah, I brought that out. Yeah. 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 I saw you you remarking on it online. It's September 27th, 2001, Chicago Cubs versus Houston Astros. Um, he hit the home run. And as he's rounding first, someone gave him a little American flag. Let's look at it. Yeah, I got the chills. I have the chills. Yeah. He held it as he ran the bases. Everyone right. on their feet. I have the chills right now. It's a black American. Is Dominican, but black, black American. Yep. Yep. It just it, seems it, like it, you might, all the rage showed, is the other way now. You showed that to a kid today. They might think it was a colorized video from yeah. the 1940s. Yeah. I, I got, that just made me sad, you know, not, not because of September 11th in that particular clip, but just how far we've fallen, you know, it's only been about 20 yeah. years and how far yeah. we've, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I know the leftist university professors have gotten us here and the leftist takeover of media, you know, the the iPhone. I, I feel like I have to mention, you know, just the distance from one another, I, ironically, given what it actually does as a function. I I do worry that in 20 years we won't be back to the Sammy Sosa's of the world, even if we That's have right. a Trump I presidency. Worry. That's right. 
All I know is, though, I get this at every speech. Dennis, are you optimistic or pessimistic? Yeah. And my, my most honest answer is the one I give. I have no interest in optimism or pessimism. The optimist doesn't fight and the pessimist doesn't fight because they both have reasons not to fight. The optimist thinks things will turn out well, why fight? The pessimist is sure things will turn out lousy, why fight? I don't care if people are optimistic or pessimistic. I only care if they fight. And uh, I, I owe it to every guy buried at Normandy Beach to fight. They, they fought Nazi submachine guns. Uh, I'm not fighting submachine guns. I'm just fighting hate that Prager you and I get uh, all the time, on, uh, uh, virtually every day. I, I open up my, my Google alerts. <laughs> if I were a drinking man, I would always drink a little prior, but I have no interest. I, I'm a, I'm, my vice is cigars. So I think I have good. a cigar and I read by the Google alerts and oh. one, oh, Prager and Prager you, they're both fascists. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know how often I'm called an anti-Semite? I've written the most widely read introduction to Judaism in the English language. I have a Bible commentary out there on the Torah, and, I, and they call me an anti-Semite because they can't imagine if you're conservative, you must be neo-Nazi. This is the simple mm -hmm. mind of the, of the left-wing human being. Well, while you're reading those comments, I hope you keep in the back of your head. I know you think about all the people you've helped, but just keep in mind, yours truly is one of them. I'm a huge fan of PragerU and of Dennis Prager himself. And w the, listening to you talk about these core issues, it really is life-changing. If you spend a lot of time over on PragerU, your eyes will open. So keep that in mind. Um, speaking of fighters and these issues starting to turn, the kid who was wrongly called a racist by Deadspin the nine-year-old Kansas City Chiefs fan. Remember, he had the half the face was in black yeah, and half the right. face was in red. And he had the Native American headdress on. And the Deadspin writer just completely excoriated this kid, called him a racist, said he, quote, hates black people and the Native Americans at the same time. Look at this. This is so disgusting what this writer did. And it was a lie. It was a lie. He didn't show the audience that the kid actually had half black, half red, which is a Chiefs thing, uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And he publicly humiliated this nine-year-old totally unnecessarily and unfairly. And finally, Dennis, they've sued. God bless the parents of this boy. They have filed a lawsuit against um, the parents of this boy, have filed a lawsuit against Deadspin and its parent company for maliciously and wantonly attacking their minor child, quote, by selectively capturing from the CBS broadcast an image of our child showing only one side of his face with black paint on it, an effort that took laser-focused precision to accomplish given how quickly the boy appeared on screen, Phillips and Deadspin deliberately omitted half of his, of his face with red paint on it. He did not wear a costume headdress because he was, quote, taught hate at home, which was the claim. He wore it because he loves the Kansas City Chiefs football team and because he loves his Native American heritage. And by the way, they go on to say after this lie was told intentionally to hurt this kid, they received death threats. Their child received death threats, um, threatening to kill him with a wood chipper. On it went. And I, I think three years ago, this family would not have filed the lawsuit. They would have been too afraid. And look at them now. Oh, yeah. It's driving the left nuts. 
they own everything and we're not dead. They they don't understand mm. it. And I and I actually <laughs> somewhat feel for them. They own uh the universities, the high schools and elementary schools. They they own half of the religions, the non-orthodox Jews, the non-evangelical Protestants, the non-traditional Catholics. Uh they they own the whole medical industry. Medical schools have become Oh, so woke that I actually fear for the competence of doctors in the next generation. They own United Airlines, which has announced that it's reserving half of its pilot spots for women and blacks, uh, uh, which uh, is is very reassuring for flyers like like myself who, who live on airplanes. They own it all, and but we're alive. And we're fighting, and it it does. I, I actually think they lose more sleep at night than we do. It's it's an odd thing for me to say, but I do believe that they, when they call this kid a racist and and, and so on, or when they call the Washington Redskins, do you know? I mean, the, that kid is 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 simply a, a prototype of of the bigger issue. Do you know that the Washington Post commissioned, the Washington Post was in the vanguard of demanding that the Washington Redskins change their name because it was anti-Native American, anti-American Indian. And they they commissioned this very elaborate poll of American Indians, of Native Americans. Overwhelmingly, they said, and this was reported in the Washington Post, by the way, to its credit, one of the rare times I could say that about the Washington Post, and they reported the overwhelming majority of American Indians didn't give a damn about the name Redskins. Mm -hmm. Right. Of course, it's all it's, it's, Upper West Side so woke liberals. Yes. The, and I'll, I'll tell you where it emanates from. This is really important. Overwhelmingly, people on the left uh, are empty. They're devoid of love of country. They're devoid of religion. So two of the biggest things that gave people meaning, God and country, give them no meaning. So they have to search for meaning. So they create things to fight, like the nine-year-old, like the Washington Redskins, like the Cleveland Indians, like, like Israeli colonialism. They make up evils because their lives are essentially empty inside. They need to find meaning. They, they find what you and I might find meaning meaningful. I know this from music, which is my other field in life, because uh, I conduct orchestras periodically. In the early 20th century, when, when people with no talent could not do anything Beethoven, Brahms, Schubert, Schumann, Haydn, Bach did, what they decided to do was to write music with no tonality, which you could write, and when I could write. That's easy to write. When there's no tonal and no harmonic and, and, and no melodic bass, it sounds. That's all it is. It's the same with, with, with overwhelmingly with contemporary art. You put a banana peel up on the wall in the Guggenheim Museum and call it art. By golly, I could do that too. Mm. The It's no accident that there is an article out now. It's, um, it's out of San Mateo, Jose, uh, San Mateo County, San Jose, California. First county in the country to recognize loneliness as a public health emergency. The supervisor, board of supervisor there, the head of it, has actually written a letter to Governor Gavin Newsom requesting that he appoint a minister of loneliness in California. They have one in England. Done, the UK done has it, a ministry of loneliness. 
Yep, they've done it in England. And um, something similar is going on in Japan where they're going to have a task force creating policies addressing loneliness mm -hmm. and social isolation. I look at this and I understand. I see what they're talking about. It's not like I haven't read the stories. But I think you just tapped into what's at the heart of it. And I don't think the minister of loneliness is going to be saying anything about God or love of country. That's right. That's right. The, the, the highest rate of depression in young uh, American women and girls since data have begun being recorded. But every article on it in the mainstream press always says, well, what we need is more mental health professionals. No, no. What we need is more meaning. And meaning in American history, when people were much poorer, was derived from a book called The Bible, which is never offered as a possibility uh, for, for rectifying the, this problem. Are religious people as depressed as a secular people? No way. By the way, just out of curiosity, who is more likely to say men give birth, secular people or religious people? The consequences mm -hmm. of secularism are never delineated in the mainstream media or in our schools, but they're devastating. There was another stat I read recently showing young girls are getting more and more liberal and young boys are getting more and right. more conservative. And yeah. I don't think that's completely unrelated to the spikes. It's not the entire explanation in anxiety and depression among young girls. They these woke leftist teachers take advantage of their natural empathy, try to make them take on all of America's past sins as if they're present day and project them onto themselves walking around feeling guilty and bad and calamitous about climate change, all of the left's favorite things. And I think girls in general are more tenderhearted at that age and let it all in. And they're exploited by these evil teachers who don't care about what they're doing to these kids psychologically as they remove God from the classroom, as they remove the flag from the, the classroom, except for the LGBTQ flag. And boys are just getting completely crushed for being boys. And they're in a revolt and looking for a team that still finds them acceptable people. That's right. Well, there's one other thing with regard to the girls. Not only were God and religion removed from their lives, but so is marriage as, as a key component in their life. The feminist state statement from when I was in college, a woman without a man is like a fish without a bicycle. Even if it's not repeated word for word, that is exactly what young women are taught. Uh, here's a beauty for you, Megan. You'll love this. Yeah, and I want you to try it next time you have a waitress or you're in line at the airport or sitting next to a young woman. So I, I have no I, I have no compunctions about asking people anything. So uh, uh, let's say I'm, I'm with a woman who's obviously under 30. So I say, so and we're in line going to the uh, going on to the plane or she's my waitress. I've been asking this for about 25 years. Can I ask you a question? Of course, they say yes. Okay. So I'm going to offer you an option. I'm offering you two guarantees. And I want you to understand that it, if you, you choose one, but it doesn't mean the other cannot happen. It only means that it's not guaranteed. Which guarantee would you take? A guarantee of a great marriage or the guarantee of a great career? It's mm -hmm. really interesting to ask young women this. And it's about high school, it's not even a question. Overwhelmingly, it'll be career. But even, even at 25 years of age, 
so anyway, just for the record, it's 50-50. What is also interesting, you can't, I can never predict it. The woman may have a whole bunch of tattoos and say great marriage. She may look quote unquote clean cut <laughs> and she says career. There's no, there's no predicting. It's but it, it, it every parent should say to their daughter, and I, I, I've pushed this on my radio show for decades. You must not only push career, you must push marriage. My darling daughter, you will be happier with a good man in your life. Yeah. Well, I talked to my daughter about it. We, we both do. And I always tell her, I'm like, Yards, get yourself a man who treats you the way dad treats me. Don't settle for less. Perfect. And then we, we hope we're modeling that, you know, like we're very loving and supportive of each other. He takes care of me and I take care of him. I think she'll just see it and want it. I think my boys will see it and want it, you know, because they grew up in it. I've said to them before, after being born in the United States of America, uh, their, their greatest advantage in life is being born to a mother and a father who really deeply love each other. It's that's the such ultimate an advantage. Privilege. American right? that, privilege, not white privilege. American privilege and two parent privilege. Yeah. So I want to show you something that we found out of Planned Parenthood. They're going a different way. <laughs> you won't be surprised to hear on their messaging to our young girls. The whole thing is worth Googling to the listening audience and, and watching because you really can't quite believe this person, but it's long, so we cut it up a bit. Watch this. Virginity is a completely made-up concept. It's a term that was created simply to control and shame people, mainly women. Mm. A virgin is someone who's never had sex, but it's not as simple as it seems. For one thing, Medically, virginity isn't a real thing. Generally speaking, society tends to define sex in a very narrow way. Penetration, penis into vagina. But where does that definition leave queer people? It's time to throw away the notion of losing your virginity. What if instead of losing something, we reframe it as gaining? But here's the one truth you should remember. Sex is defined by one thing and one thing only, you. Okay, we cut out the most absurd parts of that where she was talking about how well, not everybody has penis and vagina sex. And then she starts going through anal and oral and fingers. And I mean, this is like the little video for the 12 year old girls about virginity. Well, that would mean then that gay people are, by that definition, virgins throughout their <laughs> lives. Remarkable. There's like, she gets deep into the hymen and tampons. Like, oh my God, why is she, why does she feel the need to redefine right. virginity and try to make it? I don't know. She wants. I guess she wants to overrule Catholicism, where there's like some guilt about getting it on too young and before you're in love and technically before you're married. I, that seems to be a very anti-Christian message to me. Well, how's this? I I. I'm will I'm not a betting man. Gambling is not one of my instincts. So if I bet it I'm sure I'll win. I would bet a serious amount of money that this is not a happy human being who made that video. Wait, say that? that again? Say it again, Dennis. Say, say that. I would bet a lot of money that this was not a happy woman, this woman who made that video. <laughs> <laughs> you could she be right. Yeah, I'm thinking 
I mean, to think that. And somebody who might message, still have her virginity. Is, yeah, right. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you're choking me up. Yeah. Just saying, why does she feel so strongly about getting rid of that term? Unclear. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's that. Now, let's shift and talk about some politics and some Middle East stuff, because I know this is a cause near and dear to your heart. And there's a couple things going on right now. Uh, it's official that the bill in the Senate, the $60 billion for Ukraine, the money for Israel, and the money for the border, it's dead. Not happening. And right now, we're not sure exactly what that means. In the meantime, Israel uh, tried once again to negotiate a ceasefire with Hamas. And Qatar was was feeling really good about the chances. Um, I guess when Qatar told Joe Biden about the deal, he he didn't seem as optimistic. Here he is trying to say something about something uh, on Tuesday. There is some movement, and I don't want to. I don't want to. Let me be, choose my words. There's some movement. There's been a response from the, uh, the, the there's been a response from the opposition but um it, it, yes i'm sorry from hamas but it seems to be uh, a little over the top we're not sure where it is there's a continuing negotiation right now oh my god uh, okay so just to finish off if, the news headlines there, if it didn't work, it's been rejected by Netanyahu. It's it was it was a terrible deal. Of course, they, they said in order to get your hostages back, you have to end the war immediately. Full withdrawal of all the forces. Um, we'll have a couple of few 45 day truces where we get a bunch of our prisoners back and you get your hostages back as though that's exactly the same thing. In any event, not happening. Your thoughts. Well, first, I just want to comment on on the president, and I, I, I make no uh, mockery here or at all. There's nothing to mock. I mock the media. If if this were a Republican president who were so who was so obviously incapacitated, it would be uh, headlines constantly. They would invoke uh, the the Constitution to remove the person from office because he's just not competent. And and basically, almost nothing is said if you read and uh, uh, or if you listen to NPR or read the New York Times or Washington Post. It's 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 embarrassing before the world that we have. The, the, I don't think there's another national leader who who is so obviously uh, mentally incapacitated in in so many ways. As regards this, look, the the issue is is enormous. What is the, what is very distressing is the in, the incapacity of a, a serious percentage of Americans to perceive what is evil. I've spent my life studying good and evil because good is as big a riddle as evil. In fact, I think goodness is a, somewhat of a bigger riddle. I I understand Nazis better than I understand the people who try to uh, hide a Jew during the Holocaust at the risk of their lives. Goodness is a puzzle. But I've, I've studied good and evil all of my life, and the, the non-confrontation with evil, I've always said evil is always called dark, but the truth is it's very bright. People cannot stare at it. People were not prepared to call communism evil during the Cold War. 
you were called a cold warrior. When Ronald Reagan said that the Soviet Union was an evil empire, he was excoriated by every major newspaper in the United States. Oh, how can we call them evil? We don't know. Who are we to say evil? What is evil? And, and now you have this, there is no more obvious good and evil as Israel and Hamas. If one does not understand that that is a division between good and evil, uh, then one one's conscience is broken, is simply mm-hmm. simply not working. And, and that's a very scary thing uh, that that is dominant. Now, what is it? 45% of young people uh, don't, don't side with Israel or some, something to that effect. Yeah. We, we have a broken moral compass in, in this country. Uh, the, uh, the, that is what the left has done. The left has broken the, the conscience. That, that's, that's the scariest thing that they have done, probably. Uh, on the other end of that deal, as I point out, Ukraine's not going to get its funding, and there's not a lot of appetite in the United States to continue that, certainly not within the Republican Party. In the midst of that, Tucker Carlson flies to Russia and announces that he's interviewing Vladimir Putin, who my audience knows I've interviewed three times. And um, it was fascinating stuff. And I really enjoyed going to Russia and I really enjoyed the Russian people. And Vladimir Putin is a very fascinating character, to say the least, but probably the most controversial in the world today, uh, or at least one of them. So Tucker announces that he's doing it. And oh, there we are. And um, there's a complete media meltdown about the fact that he's doing it. Now, he did say some controversial things already in promoting it, that no journalists had attempted to do it. Um, Actually, here we have a bit of that. It's Sod 8. Watch. Here's why we're doing it. First, because it's our job. We're in journalism. Our duty is to inform people. Two years into a war that's reshaping the entire world, most Americans are not informed, but they should know. They're paying for much of it in ways they might not fully yet perceive. The war in Ukraine is a human disaster. This war has utterly reshaped the global military and trade alliances. And yet the populations of the English-speaking countries seem mostly unaware. They think that as nothing has really changed. And they think that because no one has told them the truth. Their media outlets are corrupt. They lie to their readers and viewers. And they do that mostly by omission. And they have done scores of interviews with Ukrainian President Zelensky. But the interviews he's already done in the United States are not traditional interviews. They are fawning pep sessions. That is not journalism. It is government propaganda. Not a single Western journalist has bothered to interview the president of the other country involved in this conflict, Vladimir Putin. Most Americans have no idea why Putin invaded Ukraine or what his goals are now. They've never heard his voice. That's wrong. Americans have a right to know all they can about a war they're implicated in. We are not here because we love Vladimir Putin. We are here because we love the United States. So a lot of journalists pointed out that they have requested multiple times to interview Vladimir Putin. It's not an easy get, that's for sure. But what's more interesting to me is the freak out on the left that he's even doing it. You know, I had this myself. I had this actually when I interviewed Putin the first time before he invaded Ukraine. Mm-hmm. I certainly had it when I interviewed Alex Jones, who's nowhere near as controversial as Vladimir Putin, but the meltdown was catastrophic over here. And we're seeing it again. Here's a little bit of 
that on Morning Joe responding before we've even seen the interview. Watch this. Somebody that we know, uh, that we used to know, uh, going over, doing Vladimir Putin's bidding, uh, attacking Western journalists, saying if only Western journalists would have come over here and tried to even report fairly on the war. Well, mm. there have been Western journalists mm. that have gone over and tried to report fairly on the war. And they're in jail. They're in gulags right now. Yeah, he'll let a certain kind of journalist in for an interview, but not the ones who ask the questions. And I assure you, NBC and every other news organization in the Western world has a request in for an interview with Vladimir Putin. Uh, so it's not for a lack of trying. Okay, so I, I will give them the point that journalists have tried. But if you just Google this, the left wing is very upset that he's platforming Putin. They're guaranteeing that he will ask no tough questions because his coverage of Putin hasn't been completely pro-Ukraine. What do you think? Well, I would be very curious to know if Tucker Carlson or any other prominent person on the right went to an interview, or for that matter, person, a prominent person on the left, went to interview the head of Hamas in Qatar, where mm -hmm. they live in, in their billion-dollar splendor. Uh, would there be an outcry? I mean, if, if the issue is you don't interview evil, uh, is it only applicable to Putin or is it applicable uh, to Hamas? But on the left, Hamas is not evil. So uh, it would be, I, I, would find, I, I, I would find it very interesting to know how, how they would react to that. I think Tucker Carlson, uh, his, uh, his stature, and he has a lot of stature, but I, I, I think that uh, it, it's he's taking a risk, and it may be a very noble risk. Uh, I'm not using risk as a pejorative, but he has to ask some very difficult questions as well. He has to ask about the uh, the reporter that uh, they just showed a full page ad uh, for, uh, with regard to uh, who was incarcerated on no on no on no good grounds. It would be worthy for him to ask about. The opposition to Putin that that uh, uh, that all of a sudden seemed to disappear and die premature deaths. So it, it, if he if he excoriates those who interviewed Zelensky as pep sessions, uh, that's his word. Then he can't do the same thing with Putin. But otherwise, yep. I think it I think it is important that that somebody does an interview uh, with Putin. Uh, personally, uh, I have vigorously supported uh, Ukraine in this matter. Uh, I have two other positions, however. I think that uh, we should have pursued peace as vigorously when Boris Johnson went to squelch possible peace. That was a very bad thing. I, I, was, uh, I, I was not happy about that. We need, we need to try uh, for peace there. I am worried about how much we have in weapons because the Democrats have so shattered defense budgets over the last decades. So there were very real, uh, very real issues at stake here. Yeah, there's there's a lot of reason to be concerned about the, the pocketbook and where our money has gone in the, in the funding of Ukraine and where it would continue to go if we continue to fund it, N none of which has been fully answered. Right. I understand the consternation on both sides. Such a pleasure, my friend. Great to see you, Dennis Prager. You're the best. Mm. Mutual. Ah, let's do it again. 
Okay, when we come back, Buck Sexton joins the program. Don't miss that. If your child is struggling in school, then IXL is right for your family. IXL is an online learning program for kids that covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. Backed by research, kids using IXL are scoring higher on tests. It's no wonder it's used in 95% of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Plus, a month of IXL costs less than an hour of tutoring. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com 20. Visit IXL.com 20 to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. You often hear people say that when they listen to an old speech or debate clip of President Biden, it's startling. Age slows down most people, but remember, his staff and his closest allies want you to believe he's still the same old Joe, so quick on his feet and in his thoughts that even much of the younger staffers can't keep up with him. Sure, Jan. (laughs) So we decided to go back and compile some old clips. Thought it might be interesting for you. Because even as of the 2020 election cycle, he sounded very, very different. First one is from 1993. Then Senator Biden was on the Senate floor giving one of his most impassioned speeches. He was about 49. Interestingly, the topic was about the Senate's tough on crime bill, eventually signed into law by President Clinton. Mr. Biden warned of, quote, predators on our streets and worried openly about his family's safety. It doesn't matter whether or not they're the victims of society. The end result is they're about to knock my mother on the head with a lead pipe, shoot my sister, beat up my wife, take on my sons. So I don't want to ask, what made them do this? Mm. Obviously, the startling change there is not solely related to how robust Biden sounded. Fast forward 19 years to the 2012 election when then-Vice President Biden took part in a debate against Mitt Romney's running mate, Congressman Paul Ryan. He was quick on his feet in this exchange. It has never been done before. It's been done a couple of times, actually. It has never been done Jack Kennedy lowered tax rates, increased growth. Ronald Reagan. Oh, now you're Jack Kennedy. Ronald Reagan. (laughs) With all due respect, that's a bunch of malarkey. Despite Paul Ryan being nearly 30 years younger than Joe Biden, one headline the next day was, quote, Joe Biden's alpha male display leaves Paul Ryan overwhelmed. All right. That's a lot much. Four years later, a 72-year-old Vice President Biden went to bat for Hillary Clinton in her race against Donald Trump. He ended one speech with a rousing call to action. In America, we never bow. We never bend. We endure, we move forward. We are America and we are second to none. That is the history of the journey of this country. And God willing, Hillary Clinton will write the next chapter of that history. So go vote, go vote. Mm, Eight years ago. Then came 2020. During the Democratic primary race, Julian Castro and Senator Cory Booker gingerly questioned Mr. Biden's mental acuity but both went on to endorse him. 
On the debate stage with then-President Donald Trump, Mr. Biden had some notable sparring moments. Your party wants to go socialist medicine My party is and me. socialist right now, I am And the they're going to dominate party. you, Joe. You know that. I am the Democratic Party right now. Our suburbs would be gone, and you would see problems like you've he never seen. He would know right. a suburb unless he took a wrong turn. Oh, he made a fortune in Ukraine, in China, in Moscow, that is simply and various not other places. true. He made my a son, fortune. My son. And he didn't have a job. My son, like a lot of people, like a lot of people we know at home, had a drug problem. The fact is that everything he's saying so far is simply a lie. I'm not here to call out his lies. Everybody knows he's a liar. But you I just want to make sure. Joe, you're the liar. I, 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 I want to make sure. You graduated last in your class, I, not I, first in your I, class. <laughs> I want to make Mr. sure. Mr. President, can you let him finish, sir? No, he doesn't know how to do that. He has, You'd be you know, surprised. You, you pick You'd be surprised. the Go wrong ahead, guy, the wrong Go night at the wrong time. Hmm. There are many reasons why, if both men are their party's respective nominees, we will not see a debate like that later this year. But one of the reasons is certainly Mr. Biden's facility with words and ideas. The very first year he became president, it was obvious he was in rapid decline. During a press conference in June 2021, he whispered over and over during his remarks. I got them $1.9 trillion relief so far. They're going to be getting checks in the mail that are consequential. I wrote the bill on the environment. Pay them more. This is an employee's, employee's bargaining chip now. What's happened? Wow. In 2022, he called out during a speech for a congresswoman who had died a month earlier in a car crash and seemed to almost malfunction at other times. Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here. Much more informed on the... Um, the motives of um, some of the political players and some of the uh, and the political parties. We're going to seize their yachts, their luxury homes, and other ill-begotten gains of Putin's kleptocracy. Uh, yeah. Kleptocracy and klep the guys who are the kleptocracies. <laughs> hmm. Fast forward to present day. In the past few weeks, the president has at times been completely incoherent during not one, but several speeches. The beer brewed here, it is used to make the brew beer in this refinery. Oh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why it's coming. Don't mess with the men in America unless you want to get the benefit. Asylum, asylum officers. And over 100 cutting-edge inspe inspection machines to help detect and stop fentanyl coming out of our southwest border. Mm. It's sad. It's, it's, it feels wrong. We butted some of these sound bites together so you can hear the decline over the years in quick succession, which we think brings it home. Take a listen. The end result is they're about to knock my mother on the head with a lead pipe, shoot my sister, beat up my wife, Take on my sons. Jack Kennedy lowered tax rates, increased growth. Ronald oh, Reagan. Now you're Jack Kennedy. In America, we never bow. We never bend. 
We endure. We move forward. We are America, and we are second to none. Your party wants to go socialist medicine My party is and me. socialist right now. I am, and the they're going to dominate party. you, Joe. You know that. I am the Democratic Party right now. Much more informed on the um, the motives of. Um, some of the political players and some of the uh, beer brewed here. <laughs> it is used to make the brew beer. <laughs> it's oh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why it's coming. Don't mess with the men in America unless you want to get the benefit. Mm. Joining me now, Buck Sexton, co-host of The Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. Buck, welcome back. Great to have you. It's I don't. I, I take no joy in offering that up. I don't think it's funny. I, I'm alarmed. I'm sad for him. I, if I were married to him, I would say, "Honey, it's time we exit stage left." I don't. How on earth is he going to make it? Not just another nine months, Buck, but another five years in this office. Well, Megan, my sense of this, and thank you for having me, uh, is that Biden is effectively a figurehead, um, that when people are voting, I think he will make it through to the election. And if he doesn't, Kamala Harris will take over for him. I know there are a lot of theories out there about how there's some Democrat plan, but I think the logistics of that are far more complicated than uh, some of the third options that people are discussing, uh, meaning not Joe, not Kamala, something else. Uh, it's much more difficult than I think it uh, initially sounds to a lot of folks or than they initially think it would be to just replace uh, Joe Biden. Um, he's an incumbent president. Uh, he's decrepit and falling apart. Yes. And I mean, I, I share your sense on that, too. I mean, I remember I was very close with my maternal grandfather, and I remember uh, in his final years what it was like um, to go see him. And, and Joe Biden actually reminds me of that. But we didn't expect him to be commander in chief at the time. Um, we We had very different understanding of what was going on with him. And the people that are in a position to do something about Joe Biden, most notably his wife, I think they view this as his last act of service. I mean, I think if you start to look at this from the other side of the chessboard and the power apparatus of the, the Democrats, as long as Joe Biden can stay in, he will stay in. Um, and the whole point here is to get beyond the election. They think that he's the best option to defeat Donald Trump. And then it's very likely Kamala Harris will take over. And I think take over very early, assuming Biden wins, take over very early in a, another administration uh, or in the, in the beginning of the administration, I should say, and start her own eight-year trend. In, at least that's oh, the wow. plan, right? I mean, she probably wouldn't win after mm. four. Um, this is very obvious, though. I mean, we, we've seen this. We're at a point now, Megan, where it's almost, uh, it's too clear. And so people become numb to it. And there's no argument against it. Even Democrats recognize it, but they don't think of it as I'm voting for a CEO. They think of it as I'm voting for Coke or Pepsi. And that's it. It's just the brand and the machinery. Dean Phillips, who's a Democrat trying to challenge Joe Biden, but he's getting the boot on the forehead. The Democrats won't have it. He tweeted out a couple of these, these videos the other day and, and wrote as follows. I'm attacked for being honest and saying the quiet part out loud, the part DC insiders only do in private. I admire our president. I voted for him and campaigned for him. He's visited my home and been gracious to me and my family and our country. But shame on all of you pretending everything is okay. You are leading us and him into a disaster, and you damn well know it. Gosh, it's true. It's right. This is not, 
it's not so simple, right? As mm, oh, he's going to win and then he's going to step down or die. And Kamala Harris, no one wants her. No one, no one is electing her to be the president. That should be made right now. That that switch, if that's what we're really voting for, should be made right now. They they talk about how we have to have the Trump trials right now because people need to know what they're voting for. They they need to know if he's a convicted felon or not before November. Shouldn't we know who's actually going to be president for the next four years, him or her, before we go to the ballot box in November? Well, yeah, absolutely. But that would assume that there's some degree of uh, of honesty that the Democrat Party revolves around, which I, I just don't think is true. Uh, I think we could go into a great detail about how uh, they are really a party now that is rooted in pretending, especially at election time, they pretend to be something other than that which they are, right? I mean, this, the, the way the Democrats win national elections is to generally have Democrats act more like uh, centrists or Republicans close mm -hmm. enough to the election that they can fool people. I mean, the perfect example of this was Joe Biden in 2020 as a uniter and a guy who would calm things down. Now he's got multiple DOJ federal indictments of his leading political opponent after four years of the most divisive presidency. I actually think Joe Biden's more divisive than Obama. I mean, I'll say that. I think that the stance that he took on forced vaccination of people over COVID was as one single act, I think more divisive than anything actually Obama did. And I didn't think Obama was a uniter either. Um, so the whole thing was a lie. And I think they're very concerned about that this time around. They're obviously just going to try to throw everything they can at Donald Trump. But the dishonesty of the campaign by no means, in my mind, discounts that this is what they're likely to do. Uh, and, and I think that with Kamala Harris, you see somebody who the system likes her. I, I use the term the apparatus uh, for this kind of stuff. You could say that too. But the Democrat uh, machinery elevated her to be Joe Biden's vice president in the first place. Democrat voters didn't want her, and yet they made her no. VP. It's because no she's- uh, I, I, Who? No one. No, yeah. <laughs> so I, was, I thought you were telling me someone wanted her. I'm like, who wanted her? No one wanted her. No. Um, I mean, no, the, I mean, this the, is- what was it, Willie Brown out in California? Like, he, he wanted her. <laughs> That's I mean, it. You know, it, it's something that uh, you could see, actually, you know, she was very popular. I'm, I mean this. She was very popular in the CNN green room. Um, you know, there, there are Democrat news anchors that I think like the virtue signaling points they get from talking about how great Kamala Harris is. But that was before we saw the degree, the degree of, I'm not just talking about incompetence. Like, no one thinks that she's a particularly um, bright or astute person, Let's just honestly. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the idea was, well, she can play the role and she can make people like her and she can be somewhat chameleon-like in her politics. And that's all been a total sham as well. Um, they couldn't even give her fake make-believe jobs and roles like borders are <laughs> without creating massive political liability for themselves. Hence, you don't even hear about, think about this. Look where we are with the border. Can you imagine if Kamala was still being called the borders are? I mean, it would right. be nothing but further disaster to her already plummeting brand. Um, but that's that's why it ha I, I think for them, it has to be uh, Biden. Um, and that's why I've said this all Here. along. And I know this, is, Megan, I know this is deeply cynical. Okay. I have a bet with with Clay, my co-host and your and my uh, uh, friend, uh, that this is that it's going to be Joe Biden, no matter what for the Democrats. And I've even said they will wheel him out with a blanket across his knees oh God. and a, a sippy cup on stage if they have to, because people are voting for the name, for the brand, for the system around him. 
not for the guy. Joe Biden's been an imbecile his whole life. What, does Clay think it's going to be Michelle Obama? Who does he think? Yes, he thinks it's going to be Michelle Obama. Okay. All right. I, I haven't made up my mind. I don't, like, I'm not ruling out the Michelle Obama option the way you are, but I, I, if I had to put money down, I'd put it on Biden. Well, Here we have a big bet on it, Megan. The so view, I gotta, I gotta the ladies of guns. The View. I got to tell you, Buck Sexton, for once in your life, you're in agreement with Sonny Hostin. Okay, watch. You guys ask me all the time, well, you can't support Trump. I will not support Trump, but why aren't you just backing Biden? I'm worried Biden's going to lose to Trump. In 2020, when he beat Donald Trump, a potato could have beat Donald Trump. We're in a global pandemic. The economy was in free fall. But you know what? A potato could not have beat him. One thing that Joe Biden knows is he knows how to run the government. He knows that. And there was nobody else in the pike. And and to come out and say, you know, get another candidate, you're a when? There isn't going to be another candidate. No. Yeah. The candidate is Joe Biden. Yeah. He so has suck run it up. this country well. He has so much to run on. He's got a better economy. Inflation is down. Um, people, uh, job growth. He has a platform to run on. The Republicans have zero Nothing. to run on. Nothing. And the best candidate that the Republicans could come up with is Donald Trump. Okay, so I think we've kind of covered the ground in there. But I will say this. Never underestimate the ability of the Republicans to screw it up, right? Like, I oh, don't yeah. know. Like, they're the ones who said, we're not giving you Ukraine and Israel aid unless we get, you know, concessions on the border. And then they got him. And I, I don't think anybody supports this border deal that's taken a hard look at it. But they were like, bye. And we're taking our ball and going home. That's how it's going to play in the media. You know, they're already getting ripped on blowing it up and giving this to Joe Biden as an issue. Secondly, they go ahead, try to impeach Mayorkas, DHS secretary. They fall short. They, they didn't manage. They couldn't. It's just every day the RNC chair is out, you know, kind of leaving head down in disgrace. The RNC only has $8 million left. It's just every day, Buck, there's so I realize they like Trump, but like the Republican Party, they're, they're not totally wrong on the view. And they're like, what are they offering? Because they look like a mess over there. Well, part of it is they haven't been winning. And, you know, we have to look at that with, with uh, clear eyes and we have to be honest about it. I mean, you, you have to have the political power to enact the programs and, and the margins, as we know, too, especially you're talking about the House and the Senate. So they've got this razor thin majority and smallest majority in the history, I believe, of the Congress. Right. I mean, it's, it's as small as it could possibly get. Um, and then one. you have a very close to, uh, you know, evenly split Senate. And so there's not going to be some sweeping Republican policy change. To your point, I think that there should be uh, a far more clear, a comprehensive agenda that the Republicans are announcing. And on the straightforward things like the Mayorkas uh, impeachment effort, I actually spoke to uh, the Speaker of the House uh, earlier this week about it uh, after it had failed. And he says, look, we're going to do it next week. He says that there was somebody who wasn't supposed to be there for the Democrats, but was in a hospital gown and slippers. And okay, whatever, Ugh. fine. At the at the end of the day, um, the most important thing is that there's a vision for the country that allows them to win in the fall election, right? I mean, in November is what's going to determine uh, the policies uh, of the country, not you know whether or not Republicans can make some stand or or do something that is for the optics, but I don't think really changes anything. And just back to the, uh, the the Biden thing for a second. Look, it's it's I think it's rather straightforward. The polls look awful for Joe and Democrats look like they are just walking toward annihilation in this election, at least at the presidential level. But there are still those polls that show the same polls that show that Trump would crush Biden tomorrow. And I believe that's true. If the election were held tomorrow, 
if he gets convicted in this in this DC trial, I just had a caller call in today, Megan, uh, to radio, uh, to our radio show, and I was a little surprised. He said, "I voted for Trump twice. I'm excited to vote for him again, but if he's a convicted felon, I don't know if I can do it." I said, "Wait, hold, hold mm-hmm. you, on this stuff. You really, you really feel that way?" I, I was legitimately quite shocked. Um, but the polling shows that that if they can squeeze out a guilty verdict, Trump loses. He loses in all of the swing states. He loses bigly in the November election. So that's a way they change all this around. And old man Biden doesn't really matter anymore. Um, and that's just the trick that they may pull that we already know is coming, right? There can be other stuff as well. So well, I, I just never like Buck. to underestimate the deviousness of the Democrat Party. Good, fair. This is why you've got Trump now. Trump, mister, I'm not going into any of the primary debates. And I, I know why he didn't. I get it. But the risk in not going to any of the primary debates was that it would be then used against him by Joe Biden, who we all know is not going to want to debate him in the general. So that's why Trump now, even before he's officially secured the nomination, he knows there's not going to be any debates coming up. It has changed his tune and is now saying the following to our pal Dan Bongino in SOT 30. I don't think he's going to run. I don't know if it's donors or otherwise. It might be his family. It might be something. I don't think he's going to run. But I'd like to call for immediately debates. I'd like to debate him now because we should debate. We should debate for the good of the country. So I will officially on your show call. I will. Oh, wow. Look at that. We're breaking news, Mr. President. Donald J. Trump calls for debates against uh, Joe Biden. I mean, that's great. We're breaking some news here. And get him to change his ways. But I am officially doing that. I also put out, you probably noticed, that I'll take his spot at the Super Bowl if they want. We'll get very good ratings. Because <laughs> Biden won't do the Super Bowl halftime interview. By the way, here's Joe Biden responding to the challenge. Watch. Donald Trump is ready to debate you right now. Do you accept? <laughs> 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 I'm on radio. Probably, what Thanks, you guys. I'd want to debate me too. He's got nothing. By the note to self, like to the campaign staffers, if you want to make him look like a competent executive who's fully there, stop picturing him walking out of the ice cream store with his chocolate chocolate chip and his little, you know, juice with his straw. Like, (laughs) what's next? He's like, you know, walking out of the orthopodic, you know, orthopod sneaker store. I don't, it's not a good look. Look, uh, Biden's been doing this, though. His his entire career is really built on uh, lowest common denominator, shake the hands, put on the big grin, and pretend that you're one of the folks. You know, he's one of those people. He's always talking about, oh, you know, I'm the folks. Um, I, I have to say, oh, back Scranton, to uh, the debate. That absolute hell water of a town. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's riding the choo-choo into work. You know, good old blue-collar Joe. It's like, this is a guy who's been uh begging ceos for rides on their private jets for as long as he's been in the senate by the way i mean he's just one of the he's he people use the term grifter far too much these days biden and the bidens are actually grifters this is one thing that you know i I think Mm -hmm. the term has lost a little of its punch because it's now something that people say about other people in the same industry that are more successful than them right it's it's become a little bit of a term of envy but biden is a grifter um and i would just say uh you know on the trump call for debates Look, I mean, I voted for Trump twice. I'm I'm looking forward to voting for him again. I think he can win. Uh, so, you know, I'm a Trump fan. I'm a Dan Bongino fan. Dan's a great guy. Uh, but I was worried about this the whole time. I, I was always saying, uh, if he doesn't debate against Ron DeSantis and the rest, 
this is going to be turned around. And while people on the right, you know, the Trump voters, they're okay with that inconsistency. No one else is going to see it as something that needs to change now, right? So I, I think that Joe Biden is unlikely to see any change in his in his numbers um, based on his unwillingness to debate. However, his numbers are so bad that he actually may be pressured, right? So I think that he has a, a sort of get out of jail free card if he wants it on the debate issue. But I think that as we get closer here, if the numbers don't turn, he's going to have to show up and they're going to give him whatever they give him to make him seem alert and awake. Yeah, and it's like the thing that. they give the horses. Whatever that give those horses, you know, that's illegal right before the big race. And it works. They, they here's the other thing, though. I mean, we're, we're kind of talking about style and, and whether they can fight and the verbal jousting. But, you know, that that NBC news poll, news poll that just came out the other day, which is showing Trump uh, up on Biden, I think it's plus five and beating him on the economy by 22 points, beating him on crime by 20, beating him on immigration by 35 points. The deal for better or for worse has collapsed this border deal. And Biden's not going to start putting Trump policies in place, which he could. Can't do it all, but he can do some of Trump's policies for sure. Same, same as Trump did. He's not going to. And we're going to get nine months, yes, of Trump on trial, but also of this. Look at this ad that the Trump team just dropped on the border policies. I'm, I've seen a lot of ads. This one's pretty damn good. Watch it. Six men have been charging that brutal attack caught on camera. A shocking act of violence. Two NYPD officers beaten in Times Square. All of those arrested were released without bail. Why did these four individuals be released on their own recognizance? The Biden administration is fighting to release as many migrants as quickly as possible. I'll reverse Trump's detrimental asylum policies. There's no need for us. Biden administration reversed Trump's policy on remain in Mexico. Joe Biden to stop construction of the border wall. It's a new day on the southern border. Here we go. The policy that made it easy to kick out migrants is gone. He inherited the lowest rate of illegal immigration and he immediately reinstated cash and release. And so when they apprehend people, they let them go. I'll reverse Trump's detrimental asylum policies. Ends with Joe Biden is giving you the finger as that illegal immigrant released with no bail gives the double bird to the cameras. Pretty good, Buck. They've got a huge problem. Uh, the country is solidly against the Biden border policies. The numbers, you know, you can look at different versions of it, but 65% pretty easily, maybe more like even 70%, especially if people are asked the question in a way that reminds them that this was all by design. This is not something that happened that was unforeseeable. Biden decided to break the dam and see what happens. And we've now had this flood of illegal immigrants. I mean, I've been following this story for years now. I've been down to the border many times, different places along to see what really is going on for Border Patrol, how the cartels operate. Um, and when you see it, Megan, you realize that it is an open border. When you have people showing up by the hundreds, waving Border Patrol down and basically telling them, bring me my my drinks and my sandwiches, process okay. me and get me my bus ticket or my plane ticket to New York, because they know that's what's going to happen. That's an open border. And I've seen that with my own eyes and it's constantly going on. Um, this was all because the far left of the party, which Biden, remember, Biden was the Trojan horse, right? He was supposed to be the unifier and the, the sort of normal Democrat who's, you know, old fashioned values and all. It's all crap. It's all a lie. 
Um, the far left of the Democrat Party is open borders. We know they want amnesty. We know they want to change the electorate and the demographics of America. It's obvious to everybody. And it's particularly obvious because whenever we talk about it, they get really angry about it, even though mm, yep. we can all see what's going on. And I just say um, there's no way for them to stop this. I'm glad Republicans didn't all step into the bear trap here and become complicit in this mess with this disaster of a border bill. Um, certainly House Republicans saw this for what it was. Uh, some of the GOP senators, they're horrible on immigration because their donors want them to be horrible on immigration. Everyone just needs tick to off understand your, that. Tick off your top least favorite things about the bill, Buck. Oh, my gosh. Uh, the fact that, first of all, that, that it starts at 5,000 a day as though that is an acceptable number, right? So there's this triggering mechanism for if it's 5,000 a day, I think it's for more than seven days or more than you know 8,000 a day for a one-day period or something. Um, the, the answer to all of this is to stop the people from abusing our asylum system. The, the real problem here has to do with asylum. All this stuff about funding and more border agents and all the rest, they are processing the illegals who come into the country. There's also in, in the bill, Megan, there is discretion for the president, in this case, Joe Biden, to effectively override all the emergency provisions to say it's not an emergency anymore. So yeah. this was always going to fall apart. All you have to do for anyone out there is go back and look at the mechanisms uh, of the Reagan 1986 amnesty. For Reagan fans out there, this was not a good moment, and Reagan admitted it. What you always end up getting is all these promises that there'll be stricter enforcement. The only thing that really happens, though, is the more uh, expedited entry for uh, for many of these classes of illegals, and then the permanent state of amnesty that those who are already in the country get. And that was clearly going to happen uh, with the bill itself. So the fact that it doesn't um, address in a way that I think is robust enough to get around DHS discretion in the on the issue, and discretion just means nullification of the law in this in this instance, that the credible fear standard for the uh, entries into the country, uh, that, that effectively you need to remain in Mexico because you need to remove the magnet to get into the country and be able to stay here pending your hearing. I know this stuff kind of gets into the weeds a little bit, but that was removed by Biden. That was that's not restored here. So that's a huge, you know, some of the, some of what's wrong with the bill is what's also not in it. Um, yeah, the fact is right now, as a, as a function of law, Megan, if anyone crosses a, a third country, in this case, Mexico, on their way into the United States, they're not eligible for asylum. That's right. already that you're supposed, unless they tried to get claim. asylum in Mexico and were denied. So all of these that's people should happening. be ineligible. Yes. And, and Mexico does nothing to stop the route. And they oh, get here course. and we say, come right in. We don't care. We, we pretend that we believe the fake asylum claims and we know it's the, a lie. The biggest right, business in Mexico was drug dealing. And I think it's probably now close to being the human smuggling across the border if it hasn't already happened. Mm. All right. Stand by. Quick break. Buck stays with us and we'll be right back with him. I'm Megan Kelly, host of The Megan Kelly Show on Sirius XM. It's your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations with the most interesting and important political, legal, and cultural figures today. You can catch The Megan Kelly Show on Triumph, a Sirius XM channel featuring lots of hosts you may know and probably love. Great people like Dr. Laura, Glenn Beck, Nancy Grace, Dave Ramsey, and yours truly, Megan Kelly. You can stream The Megan Kelly Show on Sirius XM at home or anywhere you are, no car required. I do it all the time. I love the Sirius XM app. It has ad-free music coverage of every major sport, comedy, talk, podcast, and more. 
Subscribe now. Get your first three months for free. Go to SiriusXM.com slash MKShow to subscribe and get three months free. That's SiriusXM.com slash MKShow and get three months free. Offer details apply. If your child is struggling in school, then IXL is right for your family. IXL is an online learning program for kids that covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. Backed by research, kids using IXL are scoring higher on tests. It's no wonder it's used in 95% of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Plus, a month of IXL costs less than an hour of tutoring. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com 20. Visit IXL.com 20 to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Buck, let's do a little media news. It's not going well over at CNN. <laughs> you're, you're shocked. I know. I'm dripping with schadenfreude well. over here, but yeah. <laughs> um, the, the cursed morning show over there, which is just failure after failure, has failed again. And now the CNN This Morning Show with Poppy Harlow and Phil Mattingly is going away. Now CNN is in talks with those anchors about new roles. That's it's not happening. If you don't get an anchor job right out of being fired from your anchor job, you no longer have an anchor job. Um, then they're doing CNN News Central, which is going to go to seven from 7 to 10 a.m. with John Berman, Kate Bulldog, and Sarah Sidner. Now, John Berman was already in the morning position, and it didn't work out. Like, this is what they, they it's just the rearranging of the deck chairs. That's their only plan, except for this one thing. Which is, guess who's getting his own show on the weekdays now? No longer marooned on the weekends. Jim Acosta, baby. He's moving oh. to the 10 a.m. and being rewarded. I mean, really, that's a reward for his rabid anti-Trump coverage and getting Russiagate completely wrong. All of it. So he, that's this is how Rachel Maddow gets a $30 million a year for one show a week. You just keep lying about Trump and you keep moving up the ladder. Yeah, look, I, I was at CNN uh, in 20, uh, 2014 and 2015 into 2016 um, as a, this is when they used to actually have conservatives on the payroll. I was there, Kaylee McEnany was there. I mean, there were a few of us. Yeah. And in the Trump era, to give everyone a sense, that just became unacceptable. I mean, it was no longer, they're, they're a network that got so ideologically um, uh, crazed that they were having to have people on that were fakes for the other side, meaning people that actually can't represent the Republican pro-Trump point of view. Instead, it was re only Republicans who hate Trump, and then it just started being no Republicans at all. Yeah, so the notion of CNN as a, as a news channel has been laughable for a long time. Uh, it's obviously left of center. It's Democrat aligned. It's effectively DNC TV, mostly watched in airports. Um, but in terms of why their ratings are so far down, uh, they they put their audience through quite a bit of whiplash, right? They they seem like they were going to be a little more open to 
uh, broader ideological points of view under the the last guy, right, who just got fired. Um, it got fired because he had a Trump yeah, town hall. Trump, as we all know, is the Republican nominee or you know, officially soon to be the Republican nominee. And that's the kind of thing that if you're a news network, you actually have to cover it. It's news. It's same thing with Trump rallies. If you're going to call yourself a news network and look at American politics. Um, but I'm, I, I don't mean to be unkind about this, although I will say some of the people at CNN were quite unkind when they thought they could get away with it um, during the Trump era because the channel was doing well. I will name names. Um, they just don't have very interesting people on television over there. Uh, it, they're, mm. I mean, I could sit here and say, I can pick people from the other side who are good TV, even if I really disagree with them. And very few of them work at CNN. Um, yeah. you know, very few of them are interesting and have unique takes and have a real presence. So it's not surprising at all. I think CNN is getting what it deserves. Um, and it's just making everybody think more about who's honest with you about what they're trying to do and who's still playing games about being nonpartisan and just objective news. It's not CNN. You know, it's terrible. They never had great ratings. That's the truth, except on the big news days, like when there's breaking news and, you know, the, the tsunami and earthquake over in Phuket, Thailand, that huge, huge, everybody tunes into CNN because they will cover the field. They'll have the best resources. They they're overstaffed. So those are good nights for CNN. Other than that, they've never had any ratings, but they used to have respect. You know, they, nobody ever like got a sizzle or a little tingle when they watched CNN, but they used to be fair. And then they completely abandoned that under Jeff Zucker. And now they're, they've ruined their reputation and they have shitty ratings still. So it's the worst combination. I'll, I'll tell you a story. Somebody here, I don't know who it is, but in the new role is, is, uh, she's out on maternity leave. I'm not sure who it is, but I guess until she comes back, they're going to have Wolf Blitzer sit, sit in for her. And can I tell you something? It reminds me very much. Oh, it's Pam, Pamela Brown. She's going to be at 11 AM, but she's on maternity leave. So Wolf Blitz is going to anchor. When I was at Fox, I was in Roger Ailes office. Jeff Zucker had just taken over as the new head of CNN. And he was calling Roger to say, thank you for saying those nice things about me in the press. I love the story. And Roger said, well, I didn't say them because they're true. I said them because they make myself look good. <laughs> they make me look good. And Zucker laughed and he said, well, do you have any advice for me? And Roger said, well, I could certainly use another hour of Wolf Blitzer. <laughs> and wow. lo and behold, they're still doing this. They don't understand that was sarcasm. We do not need another hour of Wolf Blitzer. He's not the answer to your problems or anything in the morning where they've literally got one third the audience of Morning Joe and Fox and Friends. So, so Trump won the election and I knew what, because I, I had seen it coming for a long time at CNN. Uh, and, and believe it or not, because I used to do a lot of, uh, I used to do it on your show at Fox, Megan. I appreciate that very much. And then at CNN, I mean, I knew all the counterterrorism stuff backwards and forwards because I'd worked at CIA, CTC, and I'd run presidential briefings, and I'd been in Iraq, and I'd been in Afghanistan, and and it was a couple of years before I was on TV. It wasn't 20 years ago, which is a whole other thing about how cable news works. Some of these guys that you know retired from the Air Force in 1994, I, I wouldn't go to them necessarily to have their latest strategy on how to deal with what's going on in Syria. Neither here nor there, but that was a common thing in cable news. At the, you know, going back now about a decade. But I had no job uh, for television in 2016. CNN offered to extend my contract, which was a shock to me, uh, because I could do the terrorism stuff, though, and not politics. And I said no. And I will remember 
I saw, I didn't think Jeff Zucker knew who I was. And I'm sure now he would say that he doesn't know who I am, which is fine. I don't care. Uh, but I remember I walked in the lobby over there after I had said no to the contract. Well, just, I just don't want to work for you guys anymore. I won't take any more of your money, uh, which is, you know, in TV, especially as you're starting out, I was you know earlier even in my career than I am now. Um, that's that's kind of a bold move. Zucker saw me in the lobby. I was going there to visit a friend because I had made a lot of friends in the staff. He looked at me and he goes, what are you doing here? Oh, wow. <laughs> Just like that. Oh, nice. And I was like, I don't know. I'm going to see a friend. Like, is that okay? <laughs> I'm like banned from the building because I don't want to accept your uh, very, well, very meager paycheck to be a punching bag and try to explain to your audience that they're a bunch of anti-Trump lunatics. I mean, you know, I, I just try to keep it real. So anyway, that was that's my Jeff Zucker story. It did not end well for him either there. I mean, it's just, look, he... They, they never should have done the turn they did. They could have done slow and steady through the Trump years, tried to maintain objectivity. They didn't. Okay, in other bad media news, Jon Stewart is coming back to The Daily Show. Uh, He's, oh, he like, like, you know, Khaleesi off into the fire. He was like, I'm out of here. I rocked The Daily Show. No one can do better than I did. Bye. And it imploded. It did terribly. And he was enjoying his sheep farm in, I don't know, upstate New York, pretending like he didn't, he just was over the glare of the spotlight. Like he just didn't want it, didn't want it. Mm. And then boom, he's back with an Apple show. Oh, what happened? I thought you didn't want the, okay, but I guess you did. Um, it bombed. It was, a, it, the ratings for that show were through the toilet. It made that CNN morning show look like it was Tucker Carlson, primetime Fox News days. Um, so... Of course, because he's a leftist, they rewarded his failure with another season on Apple. Mm -hmm. And now he's agreeing to come back, but he's pulling the Rachel Maddow one night on The Daily Show. I'm sure he's getting buku bucks for it. And we're going to have to listen to that nonsense once again. And the question is whether he will be able at this point in his career to totally indoctrinate another group of growing leftists the way he did 14 years ago, or whether mm. he's jumped the shark, as they say. Oh, no, he's it's it's not going to be what it was. And that's because uh, he had I, I think and I, I want to give proper credit here. Uh, Kevin Williamson, you know, uh, is a National Review, very, very talented writer. He was, uh, I think he's referred yeah. to it as clown nose on clown nose off. And and yeah. that is yeah. the best description, I think, of Jon Stewart that I've ever read, because you know, sometimes he was Mr. Serious Policy Guy, want to talk about the Iraq war with Rumsfeld. But the moment you start to push back or the moment you explain that he's actually wildly ignorant and doesn't have much context for his statements, it's, hey, I'm just making jokes about, you know, whatever. And the show before this is puppets call, making crank phone calls. And, you know, he played this game. And, and really what he just did was elevate a mentality among a whole generation of Democrats that the other side was just to be, uh, you were to attribute false beliefs to the other side or make a false argument for the other side, um, you know, the, the classic straw man situation, and then just sneer at them, then just be as nasty about it as you can. It was never jokes that were meant to make everyone laugh. It was jokes that were meant to make liberals, leftists laugh at people who didn't agree with them. And I just think that what Jon Stewart did was, and I, I'll be honest, I used to watch it when I was in college too. So, I mean, I, I was somebody who, I was aware of the politics of it. Sometimes I thought it was funny um, and my roommates all wanted to watch it. Now we're getting, you know, going back 20 some odd years now, but I remember my roommates loved Jon Stewart, but the whole thing, Megan, was deeply dishonest. Uh, it was dishonest because 
the whole thing was, oh, we can interview somebody and edit it however we want because we're just making jokes. No, they were ridiculing people. Well, you know, sometimes they're ridiculing around? a guy that you know, or a gal that doesn't really matter, but they would do it to people particularly who were on the right, and then that became the sport. And it was always propaganda. It was always funhouse mirror well, that, versions I mean, of but the it, other it, side. So it will be again, but what's different this time? Because people now know, um, I think there's there's a greater degree of uh, sophistication and understanding, first of all, about John Stewart's politics. He's a huge lib. That's uh, anyone who doesn't know that. He's a leftist. Uh, I know it's you probably would think, oh, well, didn't they know that then? No, he was a comedian. He was a comedian. He became a sanctimonious, whiny old man when he left The Daily Show yes. and the, the Apple Show. Yes. You know, you know, he be, he became one of these guys who has no insights to offer whatsoever, but just sits there and sneers at people. It's like, oh, I'm above politics. Why can't people just listen to me? No, actually, you're a jackass. And a lot of what he did, I think, poorly served his audience. I think it's why there's so many emotionally unstable Democrats in their 30s and 40s walking around who can't handle another <laughs> argument. Um, and, and I really think that overall, you know, John Stewart was a very lucky guy in the right place at the right time to do very bad things for political discourse in this country by pretending to be above it when really he was just the most corrupt version of it. Mm hmm. It's going to be fun. I look forward to it because, you know, over on Fox, they didn't want you to spend too much time on him. And now if it, he pulls his bullshit, it's on like the conservative ecosphere has just gotten too big and powerful for him to get away with that bullshit. There's just too many people who will put the lie to his nonsense claims and he'll never have the power that he once had. He'll try. That's he there, there are too many. Megan, that's, that's really the other thing. And I, I just wanted to say this. I mean, I think people know more about who he is. But more importantly, if he tries to clip you up or something or somebody else and go, you know, you have a bigger fire hose than he does now. You know what I mean? I mean, this this yep. is a this is a change world that we're operating in. And that was one of the things that always really, really pissed me off about a place like CNN. They were so dishonest about the time you'd get on air. I mean, I, I'll, I'll t I, can I tell you one more quick CNN story? Yeah. You might like this one. Yeah, please. So I was the one who would go on air and say over there, um, yeah, this is obviously like jihadist terrorism, you know, Islamic extremist terrorism. And they would always play this game of, no, how do you know that? And I'd say, well, I, I did this for a living and, and you know, had a TS clearance and just looked at terrorism cases all day and work anyway. And, and Brian Stelter decided that he was going to go okay. at me sometime. So we sat there and I went through it all. And sure enough, I was right. And he got smoked and the whole thing. And they pre-taped it. The guy could barely read off of a prompt or never mind handle himself in a debate. They never even told, they just pulled no. it from his show no. uh, a couple of days later. Never, never even told him. <gasps> never even gave it. So I tweeted, hey guys, I'm going to be on Brian's show. But he got smoked. So they just pretended like it never happened and knew that if they told <laughs> me, I'd be like, what? So they just, they just. The, the whole interview, eight minutes of Brian Stelter, like, I don't understand. Why are you smarter than me? Annihilated, <laughs> annihilated. And they just made it go into the trash bin because that's how dishonest the place it is. It's a, sh I, I almost cursed on your show. That's how fired up you I, I never cursed. I mean, you know how I am. So you're I was good. so close. Yeah. That's amazing. How, how cowardly. I've had many, many embarrassing moments on the air, including in pre-tape shows. And I leave them in. I mean, it's like it's cheating to take them out, warts and all. The only ones I'll take out is okay, I've said something factually wrong that I don't want to put out there. Or I, I that's it. I mean, I can't think of another one that I would ever take out. That's embarrassing. How embarrassing for him! All right, let's end on this. Um, back and forth within the Republican Party on Bud Light. Mm. You saw the. I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm kind of pissed off. I'm not going to lie. Donald Trump is out there. 
let's give him a second chance. It's a great American company. They're hosting a huge fundraiser for him. That's why he's doing this. It's like they're buying off person after person and expecting all the Republicans to take the knee. I am firmly in the Matt Walsh camp of this is the best and biggest victory that conservatives have had in the culture wars in decades. It's the only massive company that has been forced to listen to our objections, and it's worked, except they haven't apologized. And I am not going to bend the knee at all until I, I want that CEO here or another show or someplace out there telling me he gets how offensive he what he did was and why. Otherwise, I'll know he's still in the capture of the trans activist lobby. That's where I stand. What do you think? I, I wish I had a, a fiery rebuttal for you, but I'm apparently standing beside you and, and Matt Walsh, uh, two people I tend to agree with on a lot of things. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I think that... Um, Look, Trump's trying to win an election and he's going to play the game the way he has to play it to win. And that means dealing with the donors and everything else. And part of, I think, uh, the Trump supporters view of, of that freedom, which can sometimes lead to some inconsistencies with how he approaches things, is whatever he's got to do to get it done. Like if, if he's got to, you know, buy off the refs or he's got to do something when the ref's not looking, that's what he's got to do to win. Um, I think uh, that Bud Light is obviously still afraid of the trans lobby. Uh, otherwise, they could have handled this. I would have said it's it's all fine and forgiven if they had immediately come out and said, guys, we're, that will never happen again. We made a mistake. Yeah. The reason they won't do it is because they're afraid of, it's not just the trans lobby, really. It's you know the DEI corporate apparatus. Um, yeah. and, and also their buddies on the golf course. I mean, the C-suite, these guys are already rich. They're already very influential. They could almost all retire. You look at the CEO of Bud Light. He's like my age, by the way. Anyway, a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. um, but these people have plenty of money. They could walk away from it. They want the approbation of their peer group. And they want to be invited to polite society. And they're afraid that they'll be attacked by the left in a way that will prevent that. So I agree with you. We shouldn't allow people to get bought off on this one. Um, I understand why Trump's doing what he's doing, but I don't have to go along with it. It turns out you can like Trump and vote for him and not agree with everything he says. I know the Democrats don't believe that's a thing, but it's definitely yeah. a thing. Well said. Yes, totally in, in lockstep with you on that. And Matt Walsh, who's always got crystal clear clarity on it, on this particular subject. Uh, Buck Sexton, what a pleasure. I love talking to you. Thanks for coming on. Always so fun to hang. Next time I'm going to curse, Megan. Next time it's going to happen. Do it. I'm going to see the naughty <laughs> side so of freeing. Buck. <laughs> Come on in. The water's fine. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> then, yeah. you'll, then we'll both get upset messages from my mom. Uh, okay. Uh, talk soon. And don't forget, everybody, tune in tomorrow here on the show because guess who's going to be here? Jeffrey Epstein's brother. That ought to be fun. Don't miss that one. Thanks for listening to The Megan Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.